Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So much jealousy and hatred come with it. It destroyed me and my life. It was a living hell. Those comments come from people who aren't victims of war, sickness or persecution. So what happened them to make them make those statements? They were unlucky enough to win the lottery. We all fantasise about winning, and in this episode of The Bell Tells, we look at lottery win disasters and how to avoid them. Now, we all dream of winning the lottery. I do. But at the same time, sometimes it seems to have had a huge, a negative impact on the lives that it happens to. To talk to me about some rather famous or infamous cases of people winning the lottery, I'm joined by our features editor, Anya Toner. Anya, you're very welcome once again to The Bell Tale. Thanks very much for having me and to talk about something so momentous and life-changing as a lottery win. Well, we it's something we all dream about. and But when I sat down to do this as a journalist and I sat and done the research, I have to admit I started to dread it. You know, it would be utterly life-changing positive or negative and those life changes are huge for example the first person on my list and most people I think will remember him is Michael Carroll can I ask you about Michael Carroll he's one of the most well-known lottery winners ever in this part of the world I think infamous is probably right as well you were saying um, at the beginning Kieran yes Michael was 19 um, in November 2002 when he won the lottery just just a little bit over 9.7 million it's easy to say isn't it whenever you're sitting and sitting in front of you um, at the time he didn't have a bank account um, so he had to get a bank account and it, essentially what happened is he had this decadent life you know at one point he said that the only thing he thought about was drugs sex and gold and I think there are a lot of photographs of him wearing a lot of kind of gold jewellery and and I, I think even when you kind of picture him that's kind of who you picture as well um, he it, it, it was it was drink drugs and prostitutes and yet he didn't seem to regard any of that as a waste but you have yobbed your money away a bit ain't you I have what have you done with your money Sex, drugs and booze. Sex, drugs and booze. 
No, I think he really enjoyed his lottery win in the sense of, in in the fullness of of all that it afforded him, I suppose, and literally afforded him because he was able to to spend so much money on the things that he really seemed to enjoy. Um, he he later described it as the best ten years of his life for a pound. Um, even though it didn't necessarily turn out the way that people would expect a lottery win to go. I think a lot of people would think that when they win the lottery, they have a really perfect way of looking at things and that life's going to be set up. And it was set up for him, I suppose, to an extent. It just led to bankruptcy. It led to divorce. You know, he's now remarried to his ex-wife and from all accounts is a happy, very quite zen-like person, but he does describe himself as a skint lottery winner. Yeah, that's one of the things that struck me about Michael Carroll and didn't expect me to... He, he spent the money. He knows he spent the money. He, he had almost 10 million and he spent it in 10 years. You know, he wasn't set up for life, therefore, and he never seemed to want to be set up for life. He, he put in 10 good years of partying. And now that the money's gone, he seems unperturbed. No, I, th- I, I agree with you. I, I feel that he's... He's kind of resigned to what, you know, he has no regrets in the sense of he spent the money. He knows what where it went and what it, and how he spent it. So he doesn't really have any issue with saying that or being very upfront about the fact that he had this decade of indulgence, essentially. Some people still might be trying to wonder who Michael Carroll is. And I'll just remind people, he's the guy that bought the mansion and who bought bangers of cars and raced them around the garden of of this mansion with his friends deliberately crashing them into each other hanging off the roof and literally going mad he spent £400,000 on an extension of pool and a jacuzzi uh, for his luxury home that he bought in Norfolk £340,000 he bought it for at the time which isn't bad really now when you think about it now he actually said he felt quite insecure and lonely I think when he was there and he preferred to move back to the street where he was where he was brought up I think he got assaulted a number of times and there was a number of violent confrontations out in Norfolk and he felt quite um, vulnerable there now in the years following his lottery when he appeared in court on a number of occasions and was correct, convicted of a variety of offences. So he carried on, in many ways, the lifestyle that he that he had before that. I, yes, he did. He he didn't change who he was. I think the money didn't change who he was. It just enhanced his lifestyle, perhaps, and perhaps brought him things that maybe he wouldn't have been able to afford otherwise. But it certainly, it may have brought sort of transitional, transactional, certainly, happiness. But I don't know, you're, you know, I don't know that love and loyalty that you would kind of want in your life was there with thanks to the money. Yeah. He was only 19 at the time, of course. Very young. Too young, maybe, arguably. Too young. Too, I, I, would be, I would have been too young at 19 to win the lottery. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I would have went off the rails as well. I mean, I, I cannot, I would love to imagine that I would, if I had won the lottery at 19, that I would be living off my investments now. But there's every chance that I probably would have done very similar things to Michael Carroll because I wouldn't have been in any way mature enough to settle that. Now, someone else who won the lottery, very, very young, was was, was Callie Rogers. She was only 16 years of age. And she is the person who, when I think of lottery winners, comes straight to my head because it's that photograph of her in the the denim skirt and a black top holding this kind of comedy check that she'd won. You know, she won 1.875 million in 2013. Oddly that they're kind of kind of sort of close together in age as well. She was earning £3.60 an hour um, as a checkout girl when she won the lottery. She was living with her foster parents and essentially she became this overnight celebrity. She literally went to bed and woke up the next morning and she had to grow up overnight because she was a millionaire and people were interested in her and the fact that she was 16 made it all the more kind of novel, I guess. 
Yeah, and in fairness, now she spent a fortune, and she spent a fortune. She got plastic surgery. She got her. She got. Her, she, she she got her breasts augmented, a boob job, as we would call it. Um, she spent an awful lot of money on cocaine. In all fairness, her she made her one point eight million pounds. It seems last an awful lot longer than Michael Carroll managed it because she was on benefits, uh, uh, but it took her eighteen years to get on to benefits. So she did seem to be able to stretch out her money slightly. You know, uh, to do a lot more with it, I suppose. But again. Uh, she's been in and out of trouble herself. I mean, she has described winning the lottery in quite negative terms and she's mentioned how old she was as well. Completely. I mean, she said it was too much money for someone so young and she said that nowadays when the pressure's kind of off her, I suppose, to spend or to be that kind of former millionaire, that idea of this living, this glam lifestyle, the party lifestyle has gone and she much prefers it as well. And she's, you know, she's a mum now as well, you know, and I think in 2021 it was reported that she was campaigning to raise the age limit for the National Lottery kind of to um, apply for it as well because she thinks that 16 is too young and maybe 16 even arguably I think 16 is too young as well so she has a point but she's coming from from a different angle as well having been there having gone through you know a lot of kind of mental health issues she battled depression she spoke very openly about it as well so she's under no illusion about that it did bring kind of temporary joy but also it came what what came with it took a long time to kind of overcome as well you feel you're so much happier now that you've lost all the money yeah you have your life that you have now yeah I still struggle with trust yeah um, due to it but I'm a lot better than what I was. Um, and I'm starting to tr- be able to make form friendships and be able to trust people a lot more than what I used to be able to. And we judge people. I mean, she won 1.8 million. And she'll be judged. I mean, as, as I'm reading one of the papers that uh, said she blew her winnings. Well, 1.8 million. I mean, she spent it. What's the difference between blowing it and spending it? I mean, it's relative, isn't it? I mean, it's also 10 years ago. And I suppose people below 1.8 million and a lot more things now it is than they did in 2013 but uh, it, we're all very quick to judge yeah. aren't we and we, we want we want to know what people are spending their money on because I feel it, it puts us in a in a kind of a, a line of well would I spend my money in the same way if I won that much money or how would I spend my money if I won that much money and it's okay you could say okay well I would immediately take you know sound financial advice and I would invest that 1.8 million in, in some sort of fund or uh, you know m- medium risk Uh, investment fund etc and I would get dividends off a certain amount but then you know if those dividends I suppose really would perhaps not equate to being rich so what's the point in it then you know so you can understand when people have the money and they say well I'm going to spend it yes that would be me (laughs) Um, at 16 I probably didn't know what a dividend was so at 16 I would have probably hopefully have my parents come in and give me a bit of help in terms of how I would spend it. You know, slightly, well, considerably older than 16 now, I, I don't know if I would probably still be as wise as I'd like to think I am um, about the money. I think I'd probably still blow a good bit of it. Now, closer to home, and this is a tragic case, I think, in many ways, uh, people will remember Margaret Lochry from Straban and the term Maggie's Millions. Now, Straban woman Margaret Lochry, she died suddenly in 2021, just eight years after she had won 27 million in the Euro Millions. She said, speaking to the Sunday Life in 2019, that her lottery win sent her to hell and back. It's it's tragic, isn't it? Because the story has all the makings of something you'd watch on, in a film or, or on TV or in a TV series because, you know, she, it was a 7 billion to 1 chance of winning 
the euro millions and like shy of 27 million pounds directed at you when you were on was it less than 60 pounds a week on job seekers allowance you you go and you buy a lottery ticket when you're trying to um get an application form for a job and suddenly again a bit like Callie you wake up and you've you've won all this money and you know at the time I will like she did say that it was very much about spreading the love and spreading the kind of the, the good feeling as well she said there was no point in spamming 27 million pounds and being lonely and it's not going to be mine you know I'm going to spread it around but to I feel like the life after 2013 didn't necessarily pan out the way for her as maybe you'd expect she said money has brought me nothing but grief it has destroyed my life I have had six years of this. I don't believe in religion, but if there is a hell, I've been in it. It's been that bad. I went down to five and a half stone. That seems, it seems so incredibly, you you know, it's almost as if someone took something, something from her by giving her 26, 27 million. It's interesting, isn't it? That addition, as well as a kind of a removal of life, in a sense, at the very time, whenever you have as much money as you'll, could ever fathom in terms of what you're going to do with it as well. And by all accounts, she was very, you know, generous to Stradran, I can't speak, to Stradran and did a lot of charitable kind of work around the town um, and a lot done kind of sort of behind the scenes as well. But even with all that, it still didn't bring her any happiness long term. Yeah, and she she tried to do a lot of good with the money. In 2014, she purchased the derelict site of Herdman's Mill and Cyan Mills for about a million. And she had ambitious plans for that, but they never came to fruition. Uh, she got in a bit of a row with Cyan Mills Cricket Club. There was an issue with a taxi driver, unfortunately. And there was also, uh, she, 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 she was found, she was ordered to pay £30,000 to a former employee for bullying and firing him on a vindictive whim, according to an employment tribunal. So, you know, it just doesn't solve all your problems. It doesn't... It just creates more problems. Yeah. It just seems you are who you are in the positive sense and in the negative sense. And, you know, it exaggerates part of your life. But I think we all imagine that we'd be, our lives would be transformed and we would be transformed by, by, by having all of this money. I've, I was speaking to Gillian, um, my deputy features editor this morning, and we were talking about how it exacerbates your good qualities, but it also exacerbates your bad qualities. So it's kind of like what you were saying as well. You you really see the person who you really are whenever there's millions of pounds put in front of you. Yeah. And again, and it's unfortunate, but maybe people who, like Michael Carroll didn't have a bank account. Yeah. So, and he, he earned very little money. So he had no, he had no sense of any financial planning whatsoever. Uh, he was from quite a poor background, etc. He'd been in a trouble with the law quite a bit even before he he won the lottery. So you can understand how he was never going to be transformed into an, an investment banker. Now that can happen, and there have been stories. I mean, most famously in Belfast is Peter Lavery. Now Peter Lavery could. I'm not comparing Peter Lavery to Michael Carroll for a second, but he was a bus driver and he won an incredible amount of money and he's gone on to be a very successful businessman and to invest. You you know, it it didn't send him off the rails. It was transformative in a very good way for him. I've spoken to Peter, however, and he did say, he said the begging letters, you can only only burn them. There's nothing, you can never respond to 10,000 letters. And he also said, you'd be safer just getting it out there getting the PR done, getting it over with in a few days and moving on from it. Do you think so? Do you agree with that? Well, I have to admit, I 
cannot imagine if I won the lottery telling a single soul. But I do understand that would be very, very difficult to do. What about yourself, Anya? I think I would tell my parents and that would be it because they are really good at keeping secrets. Um, but I don't think I could tell anybody else. Um, I, the fuss, it's the absolute fuss that the PR machine that would kick in, all the marketing that goes around that and kind of the promotion of you because you are public property then, essentially. And then, you know, you don't want the, the stories to come out of you. You know, you, suddenly people are very interested in you and what you have to offer and who you are and what your background is and all, and all that kind of thing. So, on you've worked on this cover story. <laughs> you have given this some thought. I think we've all thought about what we would do with the money, wouldn't wouldn't we? And I... I, and I think with, we have, I have. Yeah, I mean, with that then has to come your story. Essentially, you know, what would... You know, would you tell people that you'd won or if you didn't, how do you... If you want to, how do you kind of dole out that money? How do you kind of give it to the people who you care about? Well, you've said it, your story. You've said it, your story. We all fantasise about this mm. story. That story, that narrative, it's one hell of an omission not to tell your aunt, for example, that you have £30 million in the bank. At what stage does that story become a lie? And at what stage do you start living a lie? Surely that living a lie moment happens the moment you decide not to tell or to tell X number of people that you've won the lottery because you're automatically hiding a massive part of yourself. Well, as our editors told me when I pitched this idea to him, he said, you know, it could all go wrong, but I'm willing to give it a try. <laughs> Anya Toner, featured editor of the Belfast Telegraph, thank you very much. Now I'm joined by Cathy Garrett. She's a winner's advisor for Camelot, the company which runs the National Lottery. Her job is to help the lucky few try and manage their new fortunes. Cathy, you're very welcome to the Bell Tale. I mean, I've read story after story about what a disaster winning the lottery can be. It's the worst thing that can ever happen to you, someone said. You wouldn't wish it on your worst enemy. I mean, I, I, I'm at the stage now I'm afraid to win the lotto. Can you calm my anxiety? Yeah, I mean, I have been doing this job for 13 years now and I have seen so many people um, that it's made a huge difference to their lives. So, you know, anything from 50,000 up to 195 million pounds. You've heard some stories, not great stories, but there are so many people that have benefited enormously and not just individuals, their families, friends, you know, they're able to help out. So it just really gives people... When after winning the lottery, the choice and opportunity to do things that they've maybe not been able to do before. There is a whole host of support available to our winners. So I hope if you win, Kieran, that you would benefit enormously from the win. Well, I'll know who to go to anyway, but what, what help do you provide to lottery winners? So um, there's lots of support. So the first thing is to pay the prize. So we pay the prize out. There is the option of private banking for winners to give them the very best um, help in terms of their banking. There's financial advice, there's legal advice, there's well-being support. So we've got uh, a life coach, a mindfulness coach, there's a concierge service. So really a whole range of support is available, which is tailored to the individual needs. So it very much depends on the winner what they need, but the support is all there for them if they choose to take it. And we would certainly, as a team, encourage them to take all that help and advice. One of the things that I notice from all of the, 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 the disaster stories, 
and uh, is that perhaps many of the people for whom it hasn't turned out well actually were not very well off and were people who were reasonably well comfortable. They could handle this. And I just wonder, is it the people who are most in need of the money? Do you, you know, would you work extra hard for those people because it does seem that some people who have come, who have started with nothing, have found themselves in a very bad position after winning the lottery? Well, they certainly need a little bit more help and support. So as I said, it's just tailored to their need. There is a huge amount of support available to them and we are there to guide them and to encourage them to take the offer of that support. We can't make people take the help and the advice and the guidance, but we have got experts in place that are carefully um, you know, monitored and vetted. So we are comfortable that they will do a good job in supporting and helping our winners. I think those winners certainly that are not experienced in dealing with, with large sums of money do need a lot of careful help and support and handholding at the beginning. And, and there is the opportunity for them to have that. But ultimately, it's their choice as to how they spend that money. Yeah, I mean, you can't make people take the advice. We focus a lot on financial planning, which is really useful for, for many winners, no matter what sort of wealth that they, they come into. And it's, it's not about investing money. It's about what those individuals need to support them for the rest of their lives to try and ensure that that money does really work for them. Um, and that they can do everything that they want to do um, in, in a, and make some informed choices, really. And listen, I mean, there's no judgment from my end. I suppose I can safely say that I've wasted the vast majority <laughs> of the money that I've ever earned in my life. I mean, of course I have. Now, do you encourage people to keep this secret or to let it all out? It is entirely the winner's choice whether they choose to share the news and take publicity or not. Uh, we will support them either way. It's just our job uh, as a company to tell them the pros and the cons. You know, it very much depends on their circumstances at the time. It depends on who they've told. It depends what they want to do with the money. So, But it is always the winner's choice whether they choose to take publicity or not. Well, Cathy, if and when I win the lottery, I'm going to keep it to myself. I've made that decision. What's, that's absolutely fine. What's the cons of that? The cons of that, really, I mean, it depends, as I said, on the individual. It can be a bit of a strain to keep that news to yourself. Some people are sort of bursting with the news but don't want to share the news and go public with it. And they find it difficult then to kind of keep that secret, if you like. They also want to be able to enjoy the money but are sometimes a little bit afraid of buying a nice new car, moving to that big house giving up work and explaining to their friends and family how they're able to do that is explaining to, to people how your life has changed. And I think also one of the biggest things is if you won a large sum on the, on, on the lottery, Kieran, you may well want to help family and friends. Now, how are you able to do that if you don't explain where that money has come from? It's a very difficult thing to do. Um, so winners, you know, that's why sometimes they just feel... It's better just to tell people, explain people, I can help people in lots of different ways without trying to make up stories about where that money has come from. 
there have been a number, I suppose, and they could, ultimately there could be a small number of cases, but there have been a number of high-profile cases where people have won the lottery and gone completely off the rails. Uh, perhaps the the large house that they buy ultimately gets thrashed. Perhaps the wrong people attach themselves to it. Do you think from your point of view in promoting the lottery and promoting the good things that the lottery can do that these bad cases, which may well be misrepresentative, harms your case? Yeah, I mean, I think nobody likes to hear of, of anybody that's come into to good fortune and won the lottery that it hasn't worked out for them. We, do, we don't want that. And we want every winner to, to make the most of the lottery win and benefit from it. But we can only signpost them and encourage them to take the advice and support. And you're always going to get some people that don't listen to the advice, take the wrong path, no matter how much support is available to them, you will always, I guess, get some that just go off on, on the wrong footing. Well, Cathy, I think you have, Quen, I think you have calmed my anxiety a little bit. Uh, I'm not as worried as I was about uh, winning the lottery. I might give it a chance. I might give it a go and see where it Do takes it. me. It's got, you know, we create so many winners, you know, all the time through over 365 millionaires in the last year. So, Kieran, buy your ticket and then we'll pop along and see you and you can see firsthand for yourself all the support that's available. It's the only way to know. Cathy, Cathy Garrett, thank you very much. This episode of The Bell Tale was produced by myself, Kieran Dunbar, sound designed by Graham Davidson. The clips you heard were from Channel 4, the BBC and Sky News. When you get an Irish independent digital subscription, you don't just get access to the news at your fingertips. For a limited time, you'll also receive a €75 O'Neill's gift card. So what are you waiting for? Get the whole kit and caboodle. Visit independent.ie forward slash subscribe today. Irish independent. Terms and conditions apply.